Hi, I'm Bailey. I'm Heather. And I'm Hunter. And this is Spookish. Hello, everybody. Hi. Hello, ho. Hello, ho. Who are you calling a ho? That is none of your business. Okay. <laughs> well, how how were your weeks? Good. Good. Boring. Good normal. Enough. Good, good enough. enough. You know what? That's all we can ask for sometimes. <laughs> good enough Just for who it's for. All exactly. the um the Chiefs are going to the Super Bowl. They are. Yeah. Thank you. So happy for Taylor Swift. <laughs> I'm very happy for Taylor. <laughs> And um, you live in Kansas, right? I live in Kansas, and I was like, I literally don't care, but I wanted them to go this year just so I could see Taylor Swift at the Super Bowl because that's like the only game all year I watch. Yeah, you know what? It'd be nice. It'd be nice to have some Taylor thrown in. <laughs> it could be fun. Got my wish. So you both just you. want to see Taylor. You're like, yay, we get to yeah. see her. But we everyone like Taylor Swift. Everyone around here is just pumped. Like today after the game, there was fireworks going off in my neighborhood. It's honestly so celebrate. fun. Dude, heck yeah. It's yeah. so fun living in places where the teams are actually good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was like Everyone's this past impressed. year with the Diamondbacks. It was so fun. I mean, I don't live in Arizona currently, but, you know, it, they're, they're in me. <laughs> I yeah. live, I was in Washington during the Seahawks rain. Oh. And it was oh, crazy. Yeah. People would straight up spray paint their cars the Seahawks colors. You would see wow. houses completely decked out and completely painted in the Seahawks colors. And Dude, like, I, I kind of do that. Seahawks do not have good colors. Yeah, it was everywhere. <laughs> They're ugly colors. They gotta all, have cute ones. All of a sudden, everybody was really into flying flags at their house. It was all just the Seahawk flag at like every other house. <laughs> yeah, it was just nothing but a state of of bandwagoners, and it was hilarious. That is really funny. I mean, that's kind of how. I mean, it's kind of like that in Arizona, but not really, because I feel like Arizona fans were so long suffering because we go through such long dry spells. So once we finally have a team that's good, it's like it's a big. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Yeah, we don't know what it's like to have a a a statewide bandwagon going on. We just have (laughs) statewide depression every year. I know. I was laughing because me and my friend went to the playoffs last year, and. (laughs) <laughs> the Diamondbacks lost that game and we were walking out of the stadium and normally when your team loses you know everyone's like upset some people are crying everyone's like well <laughs> time to go to the bar and, I, and my friend was like what the heck I'm like we're used to this <laughs> this is normal we have 50 years under our belt you go to the bar after every game <laughs> we never win this is the norm uh, oh well I believe in them this year we'll see yeah yeah, but nothing, nothing spookish has happened to anyone, correct? No. Correct. Correct. Well, no. uh, it's kind of a good thing because this is, this is a kind of longer episode potentially, depending on how much we talk. So, <laughs> if we have nothing else to talk about, do we want to get into it? Yes, I'm excited. Okay. Okay. Me too. I am so excited. Um, I guess to start off. I'm going to ask you guys, do you, do you enjoy the outside? Yes, I love the outside. I don't go out there much. The outside world. <laughs> but when I am out there, it's pretty neat. 
I also mm-hmm. like the outside. Good. Okay, good. The air then... smells different. More better. Yeah. <laughs> the air smells different. Would you enjoy the outside if you were hiking in the snowy terrain? Um, probably less. I have hiked in the snow before, but uh, it's not my favorite. Yeah, I've done that before, and there's a reason I stay inside is all I'm (laughs) You're like, I'm an outside appreciator, but I'm not going to be crazy about it. There's a reason Hunter lives where it doesn't snow for a reason. Yeah, actually, that's a good point. I like to look at the outside through the window. (laughs) (laughs) The outside is art, and I'm just an enjoyer. Exactly. Yep, I feel you. Yeah, no, I, I love the outside, too. <laughs> I love hiking, and I love living in Utah because I can hike a lot. Mm-hmm. But after today's topic, I might need to reconsider my hobby of, like, backpacking because once <laughs> once upon a time, a little-known incident, I don't know if you've heard about it, but <laughs> there were a group of people who, like myself, loved hiking, and they met a terrible fate one day when they decided to go on a hiking expedition in the northern Ural Mountains in Russia. So what started out as a happy Ooh. and exciting challenge for these nine folks ended in one of the biggest unsolved and conspired about incidents from which they would never return. Oh, man. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I'm going to be talking about the Dyatlov Pass incident. Woo-hoo. Wait, say it again? Dyatlov. Oh, all right. Well, I don't know, know what you're pronounce... saying. So. <laughs> I had to pronounce... It's learn how to pronounce every single one of these names because I looked at them and I was like, what the heck are these words? <laughs> well, yeah, so love. I'm not gonna I'm gonna sound really dumb saying them because I don't have a Russian accent, but can you a try Western a pronunciation? Accent? Yeah. Can you try? Try your best. If you butcher it, oh well. Please. Some names. Some of these people's names are obviously they're Russian and they sound super Russian. So I'll, <laughs> I'll try again later. <laughs> I can't do Russian. Uh, um, so yeah, Dyatlov <laughs> with my Western accent. So I first want to talk about the man who this incident was named after, Igor Dyatlov. And I didn't actually know it was named after a person. I just thought that was the name of the past they were found in. But they actually ended up naming the pass after him. Oh, wow. Yeah, I, I thought it was I would have thought that way, too. Yeah. yeah. So they didn't have a name. They named it to, like, you know, honor him. So Igor was... I'm not going to call him Igor. I'm going to call him Dyatlov because I don't say Igor any other time. And <laughs> okay. Igor is a funny name. So Dyatlov was a tinkerer, inventor, and an avid fan of the outside, just like us. Wow. But a little bit more avid because he loved going on backpacking trips and cross-country skiing trips and he loved camping and anytime he could be outside he would he also was really good at like inventing things he built radios as a kid and he would build outdoor equipment that he or he would improve upon some that was already made to take with him on his wilderness trips Dang. nice yeah and he's also like a super genius because he was an <laughs> engineering student at the his city's Ural Polytechnic Institute, or UPI, which I'm going to be referring it as the rest of the time. And UPI is one of the leading technical universities in the country. And, you know, Russia is huge on their technological advancements, especially during the 50s, because, you yeah. know, little known thing around mm-hmm. that time that was happening. <laughs> so they're trying to win everything. They, 
They wanted advancements and quick. <laughs> so, in 1958, Dyatlov began planning a winter expedition, and it was an ambitious 16-day cross-country ski trip in the Urals, which is mm. the north-south mountain range that divides western Russia from Siberia, so Europe and Asia, Oof. basically that line. Man, mm-hmm. you got to be hardcore if you're like, I'm planning yeah. anything in the winter of, of Russia. For yeah, 16 days. exactly. In the go mountains, for 16 days. 16 days. Mm-hmm. Just, I'm just going to go live in the Russian wilderness in the middle of winter for half the of a longest, month. Yeah, it's crazy. The longest backpacking trip I've been on is five days. And already by then, I was like, I need a gas station soda. I can't imagine <laughs> 16 days in the, yes. in the freaking snow. Uh, he's crazy. I feel like even just like carrying your gear for that many days, like uh-huh. all your supplies. Because so that's winter. heavy. Yeah. It's winter. They, they can't like forage for food. Everything's dead. Like, yeah. Know. If you talk to the modern backpacker nowadays, they will freak out about like an ounce of extra weight. Like literally they're like, oh, yeah. they're like, I spent. 120 extra dollars on this piece of equipment because it was two ounces lighter and yep. that all adds up you know like it everything really everything is you know down to down to the gram it, it yeah. is because you have to pack everything so tightly and my the hardest thing for me when I go backpacking is I really like snacks but I have to be <laughs> so picky and choosy about what I bring because everything adds up and so after your first day of hiking you're like, I kind of want to eat everything right now because I don't want to have anything in my pack. It's so heavy. Yeah. I don't know how I pack for that long. Same. But no idea. This guy liked the challenge and <laughs> he submitted his proposal to the UPI Sports Club and they readily approved it. And his itinerary started 350 miles north of Sverdlovsk. Sverdlovsk. Is that better? Yeah. Which better. is... <laughs> Which is in this um, traditional territory of the Monsi, which are an indigenous people. So it's not like a civilized place at all. It was just in the wilderness. Okay. And his group would ski 200 miles on a route that no Russian, as far as anyone knew, had ever taken before. Oh, my gosh. So he just charged his own course? Yep. He's like, let's just try this out. What could go wrong? So this was, like, sponsored by the university. Mm-hmm. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I didn't know that. They... They were really, like I said, especially at this time, they really wanted to have their students and just anyone who is Russian do these feats that were amazing, First, you know? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, are you sure this dude's a genius? Because if a freaking school came <laughs> to me and they're like, listen, we want you to go cross-country skiing for 200 miles where no one has ever gone before in the dead of winter for 16 days. Well, who <laughs> came like, up with uh, it. Oh, of course. So he is, yeah. he probably is a genius. He's, He's just the mastermind behind it. And they just approved it. And they said, yeah, go for it. Oh, geez. So he's nuts. I know. Good They're to like, know. He'd been on so many trips before, though, that this was, it was going to be hard, but not like anything. He hadn't really done similar stuff before. Yeah, this is doable. Exactly. Um, but there were, like I said, other members in this crew. So I want to go over them really quick. They were among the elite of Soviet youth at the time and all oh. highly experienced winter campers and cross-country skiers. So these weren't just random noobs. All of them knew what they were doing. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. Um, so Clearly nothing all, can go wrong. 
No, they're going to be fine. They're, they sound prepared. <laughs> That's actually a plot twist of this. I'm just telling you about what? a fun backpacking trip friends went on. You can't tell me there's a plot twist. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> plot twist is, is nothing happens. Nothing happens. I just want to tell you about backpacking because I love it. Okay, cool. So the first member, obviously, is Yatlov. He was 23 and the leader of the expedition. He recruited eight of his other fellow students and recent graduates of UPI. So all of these youths, they're youths, they're younger <laughs> than all of us. Youths. They all came from UPI. Um, okay, first was Zina Komo... Oh gosh, these names. Zina Kolmogorova. Who, okay. She was 22 and a radio engineer. She was also an avid hiker and had once survived a viper bite on a hike, hiking trip. Oh. Dang. Yeah. She's been through it. She has a cool name, uh, too. A cool name, and Zena, she's got Kobo cool Gorilla. stories. Mm. Yeah. Radio lady. Pro. I need a They're all so smart. Zena. Get yourself a Zena. You should. <laughs> and next was Dyatlov's close friend, uh, Yuri Krivonashenko. I literally <laughs> had to write these out phonetically. Yeah. <laughs> like, Kriv on a Shanko. <laughs> <laughs> he was also 23, and he worked an engineer in a nuclear complex. Wow. Yeah. That's super smart. Recently graduated, they hired him. That's an important detail, by the way, that he is a nuclear engineer. Are they um, all different types of, like, engineers? Most of them, yeah. Nerds. All right. Yep. Exactly. They're all <laughs> smart. Kind of nerdy, but... But they do and... like the outside. Yes, they love the outside. That so they're, like, cool well-rounded well nerds. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Nice. So, Kravonashenko was, like, the joker of the group. He played a mandolin... And he's always laughing. And he'd gone on many cross-country skiing expeditions with Dyatlov. And actually, it's really sad, but he actually died five days before his 24th birthday. Oh, I know. Really sad. No, spoiler alert. He died. Oh, wait. He dies? <laughs> oh, and he's dun, so young, dun, too. Dun. He, had so, he, was, he worked so hard for that engineering degree, all for nothing. That actually Ooh. is a good point. Oh, That is tragic. Working that, that hard time. in school and then just what's it all for? What's the That's why you don't go outside. That's why you look at the outside through the windows, everybody. <laughs> the outside <laughs> can't hurt you if you don't go Stay into safe. it. Stay safe, everybody. <laughs> Stay safe. Um... Never leave your bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> you can't get hurt in there. Um, next we have Rustam Slobodin. Oh. Slobodin. Yeah. Slobodin. Slobodin. Sorry, I said that wrong. Oh. Din, not dim. Excuse you. Yeah, I'm really bad at Russian. Slow Bowden. I'm a little slow right now, but it's fine. Um, he was 24 and a mechanical engineer who was really into long distance running. Hmm. And then we have Nikolai Thibault Brignol, who was 23 and of French descent, hence the interesting name. Yeah. I love the name Nikolai. I do too. I was going to say I do that. too. Nikolai's <laughs> a great us. name. Uh, we're Nikolai. so cultured. <laughs> wow. We're so well rounded. We like the outside and Nicolai. And Nicolai. <laughs> and you like the name Zena. And Zena. So multicultural. Um, Nikolai is a civil engineer. Jeez. And he was involved with many sports clubs at school, so also very fit. Um, Athletic nerd. Okay, we have two other Yuris, Yuris on this trip. Yuri wow. Yudin, who was 21 and an economics and geology student. And Yuri Doroshenko, who was 21 and known to be a little bit reckless because one time on a camping trip, he confronted a bear with just a geology hammer. Wait, that 
and legs, geology hammer. Yeah, it's like little like tiny ones that they get rocks up with. Yeah, that's like baby's first hammer. That thing's tiny. <laughs> exactly. What kind of, was it? He, was he it a panda bear? A bear with it? No, a panda it was bear. probably a black bear of some kind. Yeah. Uh, can we just? Are we going to need to remember those last two, or can we just call them the Yuris? Because uh, um, don't remember which one was which. Uh, you'll. I'll, I'll talk more about them a little bit later. Right. Obviously, but like. <laughs> Yuri Doroshenko is the one you're going to remember more. Doroshenko. There's the three Yuris. Yeah. That the bear yes. fighter. Oh yeah, there are three Yuris. Doroshenko is the bear fighter. I guess everyone's named Yuri. Is the there. mandolin player. <laughs> and Yudin, y'all, I'll tell you anyway. <laughs> um, okay, and then the next two students. So Alexander Kolevitov is 24 and a physics major. And then the youngest member of the group, who was 20 years old, was Liuda Dubanina. Who... <laughs> sorry, can you say that one again? I'm sorry. D- Dubinina. No, the full day. The whole thing just rolls right off the tongue. <laughs> Liuda Dubinina. Ooh, I like that. Ooh. Or maybe it's Liuda. That's a good name for like a goldfish. Anyway. It's like a bouncy name. Liuda Dubinina. He said that's like a Harry Potter name. Yeah, yeah. It does. <laughs> Um, she was an economics major and a track athlete and something I respect this woman a lot because one time she's on a pre on a wilderness outing and she was shot in the leg by a hunter and she just cheerfully like 50 miles back to civilization went back and got help (laughs) she got shot in the leg and was like well okay what a crappy hunter I know yeah (laughs) oh gosh So those are the eight students, but then a couple days before the trip, um, the UPI administration unexpectedly added a new member who was a lot older than them and someone they didn't know. His name was Semyon Zolotaryov, and he is 38 years old. He sounds like the villain. Veteran of Second World War. He might be. We'll have to see. Um, He's a ski. (laughs) Semyon Zolotaryov. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) He was a ski instructor, and the reason he was going is because he was trying to get his master certificate in ski instruct. He was trying to get his master certificate in ski instruction and mountain hiking. Mm. So he was gonna help kind of helm this with the out love. All right. So all of them experienced, healthy, smart individuals, pretty young. So Athletic. they're not people exactly. They're not people who just wouldn't make it back, you know, just because of simple reasons. Yeah. True. Like I said, so, they were prepared. I'm sure everything's going to be fine. Exactly. Yeah, totally. They're going to be so happy. Yes. Happy <laughs> life. Um, the party left Sverdlovsk. I hate these names. By, <laughs> by train on January 23rd, 1959. And we're actually pretty lucky because they took a lot of journal notes and a lot of pictures on this trip. Mm-hmm. And there's a cool website. I'll link it in. Well, Heather, Heather will link it <laughs> in the podcast <laughs> show notes, yeah. and you can you can click on all their pictures from all the cameras they salvaged from this. And mm-hmm. it's really sad because all of them are just so happy and having the best time skiing, laughing, playing in the snow, posing, and so cute. It, it, it's it's kind of crazy because it was just days before the incident. The incident. The Yeti yeah. incident. The Yeti incident. <laughs> So 
a lot of the details I'm going to share with you for the first part are taken directly from the journal entries. Mm-hmm. Um, because they were trying to go to such a remote place, they took trains, took a bus, took a woodcutter's truck, and then finally started skiing and getting their stuff pulled by a horse-drawn sleigh until they finally arrived at their destination. They slept in an abandoned logging camp called Second Northern. And here's where our third Yuri, Yuri Yudin, he had a flare-up of sciatica, which is when the sciatic nerve is pinched. Mm -hmm. And he had to pull out of the trip because he couldn't really walk. No. Which ended up saving his life. Not Yuri. What are we going to do without Yuri? If only we had two more. (laughs) Oh, we're fine. We came prepared. We brought stairs. So that's one less Yuri for you to worry about right now. Thanks. So their party of 10 is now down to party of nine. And the next day. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) My hammer. I can't do the accent. No, it's and my axe. No, that's right. Why did I say hammer? My hammer. That's like, Thor. That's, that was like gay Thor. My hammer. My hammer. <laughs> I don't remember that part of the movie. Jeez uh, Louise. I'm an idiot. Anyway, the next day, on January 28th, after Yuri turned back, the others carried on, taking photos of each other, larking about and having fun. They were recording diary entries, and they expressed their excitement about the adventure to come. So one wrote, I wonder what awaits us on this trip. What will we encounter? Ooh, Which is really sad. I'm like, oh, they don't know. Oh. <sighs> uh, so the plan was to end up in the tiny village of Vizhai around February 12th. And the telegram, and they were going to telegram the UPI Sports Club to tell them they had arrived safely. So that was already set up in advance. Hmm. All um, I know, the hikers, can, I, can I say something yeah. real fast? All I know is if I was in these guys' shoes, I would be so excited you're pretty much you've all graduated you're all still Mm -hmm. really young and then you go on this really big trip that's being funded by the university to get recognition and you're just around like young friends you know everybody's Mm -hmm. experienced there to have a great time i would be so Mm -hmm. pumped for this yeah it's so so fun such a large group you probably feel pretty safe too exactly yeah because if something goes wrong you have tons of people who know what they're doing to help yeah and ugh, I know I feel so bad. I feel so bad for them. This is years ago, and I'm like, oh, especially because I'm older than them now. I'm like, oh, the babies. Yeah. So the hikers continued along the river until January 31st, and they noted that at night the temperatures would be negative 11 degrees Fahrenheit. And Ooh. yeah, freaking cold. That's a lot. Then they left the river. And they stashed surplus food in the forest nearby for their return trip and to lighten their load. So, like Hunter was oh, saying nice. earlier, you want to make sure you don't have too much. And they kind of realized, we kind of have too much. So they took some of their food out. And Our on move, February probably. 1st, yeah. It, it definitely is a good choice in the moment. Because when you have a backpack on that weighs 40 plus pounds, oh, nightmare. Yeah. Um, on February 1st, they hiked a, a little over a mile to the base of the Kolat Siakal Mountain. But there was a bad snowstorm. It reduced their visibility, so it caused them to go slightly off track. And they decided they had to pitch their tents because they made, they realized their mistake and wanted to get back on course. Mm, but smart. that is where the journal entries stopped. Oh, no. Dun, dun, dun. Imagine, imagine being in rough. 
snowstorm and then they say, oh, this is one of the bad snowstorms, you know it's a bad <laughs> yeah no that's true yeah. actually that's a good point <laughs> a bad snowstorm just... kind of blew them off track a little bit oopsie they're like oops no problem it was like the worst snowstorm america's ever seen yeah exactly yeah. it would kill thousands here <laughs> yeah oh straight up though um so february 12th came so the last the group had ever said anything was february 2nd so that was the last time we saw pictures and journal entries and february 12th came and that telegram from the outlaws never came and nobody was immediately concerned because they knew it was a hard journey and so it might take some extra time yeah and it wasn't until a week after their expected arrival date on february 20th that concerned relatives finally convinced authorities to send out a search party to locate them and so on february that was eight days later yeah that they sent someone out eight oh, days wow. yep that is a long time to wait for people to come in from a hiking trip. Yeah. Yep. And even later, because the search party didn't get to the campsite until February 26th. Ooh, see, that is so, just... Yep. They should not have waited that long. I this know. Is, this is exactly why you ever see anybody on YouTube or anything doing like this. They're always like, this person knows where I am. I have this radio satellite phone. Mm-hmm. I've got this GPS on me, constantly being tracked. We're going to be all right. Yeah, yeah, you got to have tons of fail safes for things like this. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So on February 26th, the search party found the remains of their tent on the side of the mountain Kolatsiakul, which is where we know they last pitched their tent because they wrote it and because it was found there. And (laughs) inside the tent, they didn't find the hikers, but they did find the hikers' boots, clothes, maps, and some food laid out like they were going to have a meal. Mm. And it looked pretty organized, which is something you wouldn't do and set up if you were planning on going anywhere right away and yeah. if you were a hiker you wouldn't leave literally anything other Everything. than footprints yeah like you wouldn't even leave trash yeah leave no trays they know the rules they know the freaking rules <laughs> exactly they were wilderness experts and another clue that shows just how quickly they left and how desperate they were to get out was that the side of the tent had been slashed open from the inside Oh my gosh. So no the door way. wasn't open. There was like a knife down the side of it. And that's how they got out. Mm-hmm. Whew. And so obviously something must have happened that caused the skiers to cut their way out of the tent and flee into the night into a howling blizzard in mm-hmm. 20 below zero temperatures in bare feet or socks because um, the investigators found, or the I guess they were investigators first, the search party found footprints that made it clear the group had left the tent without any shoes. and the craziest thing is that there are evidence of like eight or nine sets of footprints so the whole group had left barefoot oh man i already have a theory i don't even know what this is about but i have a theory oh gosh i can't wait to hear if it lines up let's see if it lines up so yeah they were not novices to winter mountains so they would have been really aware of how dangerous it was to leave half dressed with no shoes on so that's a big part of the mystery yeah even just cutting open your tent like exactly that's like, so why dangerous. would they do that yeah mm-hmm. even going outside to use the bathroom in the middle of the night during yeah. the blizzard is dangerous like mm-hmm. like they would even be debating whether or not to do that so if somebody cut the tent open something's wrong exactly then worst fears came true when at the base of a nearby tree next to an extinguished campfire 
lay the corpses of 21-year-old Yuri Doroshenko and 23-year-old three-year-old Yuri Krivonoshenko. So that's all of our backup Yuris. No more Yuris left in the story. That's so sad. They're so young. I know. Everyone is 23. And they made a fire and everything. They just couldn't keep it going. Got turned around in the blizzard. Had no idea where they were. All they knew that they were right next to a tree. It's like heartbreaking to think about their, like what was going through their minds. Yeah. Um, both had seemingly frozen to death, but had also exhibited burn marks and multiple abrasions. Uh, mm-hmm. Kravonoshenko, he had blackened fingers and third-degree burns on a shin and a foot. And inside his mouth was a chunk of flesh that he had bitten off his right hand. Oh. Oh, my gosh. What? Yeah. And Doroshenko's body had burned hair on one side of his head, and he had one charred sock. And both of them were only wearing their underwear. Um, Dang. I mean, that could be anything. That could have been the fact that they were literally freezing to death and their brain was panicking, trying to do mm-hmm. anything to get warm. Yeah. Burn know, themselves. Like, had, had a little bit of a fire and they're like right on top of the flames, but their body can't feel it because they're literally freezing. And so they just start to burn themselves without noticing. Yeah. Which is really sad to think about. Um, there were also broken tree branches 12 feet above their heads in that tree above them, suggesting that one of them had climbed up to get a bird's eye view of the area, which mm-hmm. could also account for some of the abrasions on one of them because they also found skin on the tree. Oh, uh, yeah, that makes mm. perfect sense. That's definitely what they would do. Just see what's going on. Yeah. Um, Can you pass that dude biting his flesh? I know. Yeah. It makes like, Once again, it makes you wonder, like, what happened? Yeah. And not far away, lying in the snow, were the bruised bodies of the group's leader, 23-year-old Igor Dyatlov, and 22-year-old Zina Komogorova. No, and the only two I cared about. <laughs> my two, I connected to them. And it looked like they had been trying to return to the tent when they died, because they were facing the direction of the tent, and their fists were clenched, and it looked like they were trying to get back. Oh, Dang. And then some days so after this, I know, some days after this, 23-year-old Rustam Slobodin was also discovered, and he had a fractured skull. However, the autopsy reported that all five had ultimately died of hypothermia. Ooh. Oh, man. So if there were broken branches, do you think he could have fallen out of the tree and fractured his skull? Maybe he wasn't the one found by the tree, but maybe he did uh, fall out and tried to make it back to the tent, and then he died. Well, yeah, no. Which, he... like, that's not—it's not a bad theory, but they yeah, thought that possible. maybe one of the Yuri's probably climbed the tree, but also we don't yeah, know. It's all speculation. Probably one of the he probably just tripped over something, fell down, hit his head on a rock or something. Something definitely, definitely something. Probably something. <laughs> probably something. I think you're right. I think you're onto something. Thank you. <laughs> Um, but the remaining hikers weren't found until four months later in May in oh. a ravine. Isn't that so sad? Like half the bodies get found, but the other families have to wait until their family members are the found. Thaw. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The snow. Um, they were found in a ravine near a shelter they'd attempted to carve out of the snow. Oh. They were wearing some clothes from other members of their party. So for example, um, Dubanina. She had some of Yuri uh, Krivonoshenko's burned clothes on. 
and a couple other had they had signs that they had taken clothes from the people who died first yeah so they stripped them the theory was that yeah those ones died maybe they're the ones who took their clothes and then went with it that's why they weren't found with any clothes on um yeah it's sad because like it sounds like they did everything right you know like they were trying to do like a snow shelter and stuff and they took the clothes but now i don't know where this is going but this kind of reminds me of the movie it Oh, or, sorry, not it. The thing. Oh, oh I was like Pennywise. No, no, yeah, the same. Thing. I was like, I'm, I don't see it, but okay. it's like <laughs> it's like a bunch of experts out in their field, out in the middle of nowhere. Things start going crazy. Nobody can trust anybody. People start dying. People start doing anything they can to survive. Yeah. People end up freezing to death. Oh yeah. The thing. Yeah. The thing. Yeah. The thing got him. Maybe I wonder if that's kind of what this is loosely based like around inspiration or anything i don't know i have to look it up um okay so nikolai had a caved in skull so severe that pieces of bone had been driven into his brain oh my oh. gosh and alexander kolovatov he had a deformed neck and was missing his eyebrows oh yeah so all of these bodies were found in such strange condition yeah um the oldest hiker semyon zolotaryov and the youngest hiker Lyudmila Dubanina had, they both had crushed chests with multiple broken ribs. And the autopsy report noted a massive hemorrhage in the right ventricle of Dubanina's heart. And the medical examiner said that the damage was similar to what is typically seen as the result of an impact of an automobile moving at a high speed. So it's like they were hit by a car. But none of the bodies had external penetrating wounds. Oh my gosh. I was going to say, well, they just fell down the ravine, but they don't have any signs that they fell down the ravine it was like all internal internal just their organs exploded and bones broke but their flesh is fine just cold just hypothermal they got that cold they got that cold flesh they got that cold flesh because they were dead and because they had frostbite oh my god um another weird detail is that zolotaryov was missing his eyes and Dubanina was missing her eyes, tongue, and a part of the upper lip. Oh my gosh, this is this is freaking wild. Like it's crazier, right? Everything you're like, what? Um, okay, and this is one of the weirdest things. A laboratory found that several items emitted unnaturally high levels of radiation. Oh and man. A radiological expert testified that because the bodies had been exposed to running water for months, so they were found in a river at the ravine, mm-hmm. these levels of radiation must originally have been many times greater. Oof. Oof. Yeah. <laughs> this is what is the, this yes. quote. So a criminal investigation was carried out by a prosecutor named Lev Ivanov, and he came to a cryptic conclusion. So this is his quote. He says, the cause of their demise was an overwhelming force which the hikers were not able to overcome. That's Man. it. That's the best you got That's for all us. he said. That's all <laughs> he said. Yeah, we could they tell that. They investigated and they're like, well, it was something. They're like, man, <laughs> all of these expert, young, healthy people are getting their eyes ripped out of their head, their ribs broken, their organs exploded, their fingers <laughs> bitten off by themselves. I'm going to say that they faced a force they couldn't deal with. <laughs> <laughs> it is interesting that 
Yeah, an overwhelming force. Like he, he's like, I don't know if it was a person. I don't know if it was nature. I don't know if it was something else, but it was something. Something radioactive. Uh, something radioactive. This is kind and... of sick. This is kind of awesome. It's, it's just the, <laughs> the weirdest it's so crazy. happening like ever. It really is. I, I want to know how they ended up in the ravine in the middle of a snowstorm without anybody falling and getting hurt and having zero signs on their skin. Like that's, that's kind of crazy to me. Just that alone. Like all these things are, mm-hmm. are fascinating by themselves with their injuries. You know that they all got to the ravine fine and they were all working on the shelter mm-hmm. and then something started just like picking them off. Cause they couldn't have made Ooh. it there with the injuries that they did have. That's true. Or I wonder how long they had like survived until they had died. You know what I mean? Until something found if them. They, if they died after the original few had died and took their clothes, then like how long had they survived after them? Yeah. So what I was thinking at the very start is that somebody due to lack of oxygen or something from a different change in elevation and the mix of the snowstorm and the cold night and all that and exhaustion from hiking, somebody had panicked, lost their mind, right? And they mm-hmm. cut open the, the tent and ran out. And then somebody who was oh. close to them ran after them. And then everybody else was like, you guys are idiots. We can't split up. We have one freaking tent. And so they all tried <laughs> to grab them. But the first guy was losing his mind and just going crazy. And so eventually they all were just in the middle of the place all at once. And then they just couldn't get back. But that doesn't fit. You know, I, I was I was just guessing they all would have slowly gotten injured. You know, mm-hmm. but all these that's not like, a bad thought. All these things are just like internal, internal <laughs> damage. Yeah, it like, is so it course. is so weird because that's not a bad theory. It's not one of the ones I have written down, but it's not a bad one because none of these theories really explain like everything. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing so, that fits completely. It's and, interesting because like, hmm. what freaking radiation. Like I was thinking, I was thinking, okay, so maybe because one person was panicking, everybody else panicked. That's why when he, maybe he burned himself and he started biting his fingers, you know, maybe Mm -hmm. that's why he has flesh in his teeth. But like, and I was like, maybe somebody caved somebody else's skull in, but no, Mm -hmm. I don't think that's it at all. I think something (laughs) else happened. Yeah. Something. Initially, (laughs) you hear they like run out. It's like, maybe they're on drugs. Yeah. Well, but then it's like drugs don't really account for all of that. Yeah. No, if but you're... also, sorry, go ahead. Let me say also, they were all like super healthy athletes. So I don't know yeah. if they'd be super into exactly. Drugs. You know what I mean? Like, if, I don't know. If you're yeah. young, fresh out of university and you get a chance to like do this once in a lifetime excursion that'll put you on the map, get you notoriety, you know. No yeah. one, no one is bringing drugs. It's you and a bunch of other professionals. Yeah, yeah. there's no way. And that would have showed up on the autopsy too. Yep. Mm-hmm. And the, like I said, the craziest thing about the radiation is that they were in a stream, like running water for four months Oof. and there were still levels of radiation found on them. Yeah. Strange. This is <laughs> it's really cool. weird. Uh. And what else is weird is that, okay, I guess it's not super weird, but it's kind of sketchy. 
Um, public access was denied for three years to the now newly named Yatlov Pass, and the case was actually classified until 1970. Whoa. So, yeah, of course, this led to a lot of speculation about what really happened. So a lot of theories started yeah. popping up about what's going on at the Yatlov Pass. So that's what we're going to get into next is the theories. Yay. The best part. <laughs> so first um is the monsi theory okay i don't know if you remember but early on i mentioned that the path they were going on in the, in the ural mountains was monsi territory which is indigenous people there oh yeah, yeah. i forgot yeah, about so, that but yeah yes well now you remember so early on it was theorized by soviet authorities that the Dyatlov party may have been killed by the monsi mm. because they were in their region um, so the Monty people, they came into contact with the Russians around the 16th century when Russia was extending its control over Siberia. Mm-hmm. And they were largely Russified or Russified, however you want to say it, by that time. But they still continue to pursue a semi-traditional way of life, like hunting, fishing, reindeer herding, kind of living off the land. So the idea was that the hikers were slaughtered for straying onto sacred land or perhaps Part of a shamanic ritual. Okay. One of the things that supports this theory is that um, they found a Mansai chum, which is a, one of their dwellings, in the vicinity of the hiker's tent. And another clue towards this theory is that the group wrote about it in their journals. Uh, in Zena's journal, she wrote that, We often see Mansai or Mansi signs on the trail. I wonder what they write about. While her other one of the other hikers, who we don't know whose journal it was, but they recorded that, Monty writings appear on the trees, all sorts of obscure, mysterious characters. And you can actually see pictures oh. of these two. They took pictures of them and documented them, which is pretty cool because there's like carvings in the tree. Hmm. Yeah, that's that's sketchy. Can you imagine just like hiking somewhere you've never been and seeing like all the trees have carvings? Yeah, because it's supposed to be this territory that nobody has ever been to. Yeah, yeah that's crazy. I don't know if I buy the whole there was one of their lodgings in the vicinity. That is so vague. That is such a government yeah, like, thing was, to say. It was over there. They're mm-hmm. like, oh, crap. Okay, well, this has to be classified, and we also need an escape goat. So throw in some doubt, some reasonable doubt. <laughs> uh, don't Perfect worry. There was a doubt. native uh, in the vicinity, everybody. Exactly. Nothing yeah. weird. Of course, their first thing, their first go-to is to blame the indigenous people. Yeah. yeah. As it like, always is. <laughs> like someone would just go out and attack a huge group of people. In the mm-hmm. middle yeah. of the night during yeah. the snowstorm. Yeah. Yep. And it's not and... like they've never had like contact with Russians before, you know, like exactly. The tribe was aware that they but were this there, wasn't out there. Exactly. This wasn't an uncontact indigenous tribe. Because those yeah. do exist in places, but this is one of them. They were yeah. just normal people. <laughs> They're just like what the heck? Fifties. Yeah. Imagine what they would have had to do to try to get the researchers so scared that they cut themselves out of their own tent and run into a blizzard like nothing nothing a human is going to do to another human during a snowstorm is going to make you go out especially when you consider one of them had survived a viper bite another one had been shot in the leg they were you know what i mean like they've been through stuff yeah the other one's name is igor awesome and yuri's (laughs) so many yuri's and one was a world war ii vet he'd seen stuff Yeah. yeah Yeah, anyway, this theory's been pretty debunked as baseless and rooted in misunderstanding of the Monsi cultures and rituals. Yeah. And I also, don't buy like, that one. I don't like that they're just blaming them because they're like, yeah, exactly. An they were easy there. person to blame. Mm-hmm. No. 
Yeah. But also, like, if they were rounded up and murdered, why were they all in different locations with such different states of their bodies? You know what I mean? And yeah. just so left there, too. Doesn't make a lot of sense. Like, also, the, the whoever the search and rescue followed mm-hmm. tracks because they said that there were, like, sets of nine. There's, like, nine sets of tracks. So they were yeah. able to find tracks, and there weren't any tracks going away. There were just of people wandering into the wilderness and dead bodies. So yep, it's definitely so, not them. There's no way. That actually, that point you just brought up about there not being other tracks found is a really important detail for an, this next theory. Ooh, so Segways. Um, it is a good segue. It wasn't even scripted. Good job. Yeah, I'm a so, natural. <laughs> it's like, you're like a pro at podcasts. Um, so okay. the next theory <laughs> is the espionage theory. So, two members of the Diatlov group have been the focus of this particular speculation. Um, So, if you remember, there were originally just nine members of the party who were all college students. Yeah. So, why was Semyon Zolotaryov, who, you know, was a lot older, who they didn't know. A villain. Villain name. He just suddenly got thrown into this party of young students and graduates. Yeah. And it's significant to note that a few years earlier, Yuri Kravonashenko. Remember I told you he's like the nuclear person? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. He helped clear up a radioactive leak at a secret Soviet nuclear facility, an incident which has been since compared to the Chernobyl disaster. Oh, so oh. he had some serious oh, no. clearance then. Yep. He was pretty appreciated, I guess. He, he <laughs> to was probably lightly. poisoned as well. Yeah. That's actually a good point. <laughs> that that old dude is definitely uh like sketchy. he doesn't fit into the puzzle why is he there it is he's he's like the odd man out so it's interesting yeah but so according to this theory um zolotaryov and kravonashenko um were actually working for the kgb and mm-hmm. had joined the Dyatlov trek to rendezvous with cia agents in the ural mountains and they were there to hand over radioactive material and some fake nuclear secrets Oh. That the Russian, and then they were supposed to take pictures of the American agents taking these nuclear secrets, mm. and so they theorized that the CIA actually figured out what was going on. So it led to a fight breaking out and the eventual massacre of the Dyatlov party, and that could also explain the radiation found on some of the bodies and why the government was so hush hush about it. Maybe they were carrying plutonium and didn't realize, or something. something. Maybe, maybe one of them had plutonium in their bag. And somebody went He's rifling like, through somebody else's bag on accident. <laughs> pulls out a big tube of plutonium or whatever plutoniums come in. And then <laughs> one guy grabs it in the tent, cuts open the tent, runs out, and everybody else is like, He's got plutonium, we gotta get him. And they all die. And then freaking agents, you know, repel from the trees and shoot them and stuff. <laughs> but that's was, the thing. It was the Americans. There weren't oh, yeah, the Americans. Americans. That's the thing too, is like you know they wanted to villain villain vilify that's it they want to vilify the americans but there weren't other tracks found along the area so and once again the state the bodies were found in doesn't seem as indicative that there was a fight between the cia yeah like there'd be bullet wounds yeah at the very least right at least one of them would have been shot just at least just with how the bodies are found it doesn't make sense nothing makes sense with like one person killing another person, it's either mm-hmm. the evidence of how they were found was lied about, to, so that nobody knows the truth, 
or it's like something else it's like an aliens or something because oh my gosh hunter great segue guess what my next theory is what would that be (laughs) wait wait, before we before we do that i do just want to say it is kind of plausible because the kgb would would have been like at their height at that point at like of just manipulating and trying to do everything they can it's like crazy especially since all these students were connected with the upi which is like their biggest technological research center school at that time like so it's not yeah so far far but Mm -hmm. i don't think that's what it is yeah exactly once again it's like some of these theories scratch the surface but they don't fully explain everything yeah because it would make sense that the older guy had something to do with it and it makes sense because they're all connected to this anyway it's just it's interesting okay i'm sorry the older guy's bothering me a little bit (laughs) i'm sorry i i i the theories are the best. All right. We all know it. Just calm down. Stop yelling at me for talking too much. We get it. <laughs> I'm ageist. Whatever. It's fine. Uh, so if I were the university board and some mm-hmm. like student came to me, he's like, I'm going to do this. Will you fund it? And they're like, yes, but we need to send one person with you who's an expert. They would send a real expert, not somebody who is aspiring and close to being a professional, let alone an actual expert. You know what I mean? It's a good point. Yeah. Like, why? Why is he there yet. at all? He like he has like it a is, vague mm-hmm. connection to what they're doing. I just think it's weird that all of these people—they're not just like full-time adventurers. They're freaking engineers. They all have like specialized training. Yeah. That's true. Which is like, hmm, you need a physicist, a civil engineer, an electrical engineer, a mechanical engineer. Um, nuclear engineer. A nuclear engineer. A geologist. He's like and a professional together... viper fighter. Yeah, he's putting together the Avengers yeah. of engineers. And, yeah, for and real. he's like, yeah, we just like hiking. Yeah. Like, oh. Remember earlier when we were like, oh, cool I don't know nerds. About that. Yeah. There, there are no cool nerds. These people are plants. This didn't really happen. Oh my <laughs> gosh. Yeah. Because they yeah. were considered to be, like, literally, the quote was, Russia's elite and brightest. That sounds yeah. like when Germany was doing their Hitler Youth. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. All I know is like they were chosen I, all my for special something. forces. Yeah. Yeah. It is interesting. So yeah, our next theory is it's it's combined into one. And I know you don't like this, Hunter, when I combine them, but it's a UFO and military weapons theory. Because they have the same evidence, but they're interpreted two different ways yeah okay I, okay so i'll accept it i know last time i did that with mothman you're like no it has to be separate well it shouldn't be the same <laughs> how dare they both both deserve respect you know i agree so lev ivanov who was the lead investigator who said they died because of circumstances wait wait, <laughs> that wait, guy? wait 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 could you start that over the first part was basically not there can you just cut this part out Oh, yeah. So in 1990, Lev Ivanov, who was the man who led the initial investigation, that guy? Mm-hmm. Okay. He published a sensational article claiming that he'd been ordered to censor some of his key findings, Ooh. which would make sense, but why he was so, like, not worthy like, about it. Yeah, he's like, they died because of they bad couldn't, things. They couldn't <laughs> overcome something. Overcome uh, a strong force. The yeah. force killed him. Yeah. <laughs> the force man the force. so in particular 
the unusual char marks on trees near where the bodies were found, which in Ivanov's view confirmed a source of heat ray that had been purposely aimed at some of the helpless hikers. Ooh. And remember, there were burn marks on two of the bodies. Mm-hmm. So his article also alleged that floating balls of light and other weird phenomena had been reported over the Ural Mountains in February, so that same month. Ooh. And Ivanov doesn't mince his words, saying that, quote, based on the evidence gathered, the role of UFOs in this tragedy was quite obvious. And oh, quite obvious. the last photograph in Kravonoshenko's camera showed, showed flares and streaks of light against a black background. Oh, my gosh. Of course they would so, try to take pictures of any freaking aliens they found. I got goosebumps. Right yeah. This. I know. It's crazy. Like, you could say, you know, camera malfunction or flares or light, whatever. But still, it, it's, it's crazy. I'm no, so this is for this Hunter. Is like, 58. he's never heard this before. I know. <laughs> I'm like, man, so I fun. wish I could go back. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, insane. Hear it for the first time. Yeah. yeah, even if even if that freaking UFO light in the sky was literally right in front of their tent, if they whipped a camera out and took a picture of it, cameras back then sucked so bad, it would be so yep. blurry, <laughs> nothing would be in focus. Like, Yeah, exposure crazy. Dude, mm-hmm. the, the cameras back then sucked. <laughs> they really did. It's so sad. At least they tried to take a picture of it, though. Yeah. Yeah, and the fact that was the last photo in the camera roll, too. Yeah, exactly. That's scary. Moments before disaster. Um, many Russians believe the heat of source and the flashes of light. They believe that. But instead of it being aliens, they think it was actually a secret hidden weapons testing site that they stumbled upon, so they had to be killed. Um, the idea is that the, a missile launch of some kind went wrong. And it inflicted sev- or severe injuries on some of the skiers, and it forced them to flee their tent. At which point, they either froze to death or were killed by. Um, some people thought that maybe military observers who needed to cover it up. And Yuri Yujin, who was the one who had sciatica and had to leave early, uh-huh. he still main- he maintained till his death in 2013 that the deaths were not natural. They're not. Yeah. And he he believes that his teammates had been taken from the tent. And murdered. And he said specifically that Dubonina may have had her tongue cut out because she had the missing tongue mm-hmm. because she was the most outspoken of the group. Oh my gosh. Was that Zena? So, no, Dubonina. Lyudina. Dubonina. The youngest one? Uh, Lyuda. No, sorry. Lyuda Dubonina. Yes, the youngest one, the 20 year old. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She was found with the old dude. Yes. Was she also missing, missing her eyes, eyes? Missing lip, missing tongue. Yes, she also what was missing her eyes. What the freak is that all about? I know. <laughs> and proponents of this weapons test theory claim that people in the region have been seeing flashes of light or moving balls of fire in the direction of the mountains. So some people think that's UFOs. These people think that it was weapons. Mm. And in 2008, a three-foot-long piece of metal was found in the area. And the Diatla Foundation took possession of it and confirmed that it was part of a Soviet ballistic missile. Oh. And military oh. tests would also explain radioactivity on some of the clothing. Very true. Yeah. This is the so, theory that pretty I've, crazy. I've been most inclined towards, probably, like mm-hmm. the government testing. But yeah. also, Aliens is really fun, so. 
I know. Can't give that it's interesting up interesting that it's the same evidence, but some people think aliens, some people think government testing. Yeah, well, and they both make sense. They, they do mm-hmm. both make sense. They're not that far apart. I wonder, nope. I wonder if the Yuri who lived, who didn't end up going, had any theories of himself. Like, you said that he, like, defended it till the day he died, saying it wasn't natural. He had to have had interesting thoughts. Did he say anything about the... Yeah. The older dude who went with them on the last minute, you know? Not that I could find. All I could find is that he just, he, he like strongly believed that his teammates had been killed. He didn't, I don't think he, I don't know if he was like afraid to say by exactly who or if I just didn't find an article of him saying it, but. Oh, I'm sure he just, he just believes that he just referred to him as the killers the whole time. Yeah. And I'm sure he was not able to be completely honest and open about yeah. what he thought because especially if it was something to do with the fact that they're all part of the same school and he had to drop yeah. out and he was Maybe originally like, Keep quiet yeah he was originally chosen to die with the rest of them yeah so. imagine the survivors like if they were there to do something on this one oh like yeah. i know all of your even if it wasn't a conspiracy oh all these like professionals die you were supposed to be one of them and not only that, but it becomes this huge thing that everybody knows about. Nobody knows what is going on. And they're all looking yeah. for, to mm-hmm. you to find some answer. But you don't know what's going on. He's like, I'm just another Yuri. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> just Jeez. a third of the Yuri sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to his sciatica. Yeah. That's probably the first time anyone's going to be grateful for that. Yeah. Sciatica sucks. Oof, I, only, I, I only imagine. had it well pregnant and it sucked. But, oh no i mean it saved Jeez. his life so it did it did it really did um okay two more theories so the next one i know heather's excited about this one i am i already know <laughs> the yeti theory. yes oh my yes, gosh was... i said that as a joke i've been waiting for it nope not a joke the idea that the group was killed by a yeti rests on a few pieces of evidence maybe not the most strong pieces of evidence but they're fun nonetheless so the first is a photo taken by one of the hikers which shows a dark humanoid figure seemingly sulking by a tree so it's very bigfoot like and there is a i'll show you i can post the picture on instagram yeah it was on one of their camera rolls so it could have been the yeti but it maybe it's just one of the hikers who knows Mm -hmm. and the second item cited by pro yeti theorists is a parody newspaper the hikers wrote during the expedition so they had their journals and they were also making a fake newspaper and they made one of the newspaper articles that said the yeti lives in the northern urals near mount otorton oh and many say it was clearly as intended as a joke and other stories in the parody newspapers were exaggerated accounts of things the hikers did that they actually did mm-hmm. so according to this theory they said that, yeah, maybe it's satire, but it could have been inspired by real sightings of the creature. Yeah. And that he actually ends up stalking and killing them. Yeah. Which would also explain for some of the damage on the bodies, like the trauma, yeah. and the broken bones, and, the you know, the Yeti pounded them. And the, exactly. the missing lips and eyes, because, oh, like, yeah. monkeys will attack mm-hmm. faces. They chew people's faces off. It's true. That's ah. very true. They go for the, the face and the genitals. Yeah. And it would make sense to why they'd leave in such a panic if they heard something or saw something. 
Yeah, a giant uh, yeti. You're fleeing away from that. If if a yeah. missile was launching next to my tent, I would stay in because I'd be terrified. But if there was a freaking mm -hmm. yeti outside, I might cut myself out of that tent and run into the yeah. blizzard. And yeah. he's probably got some kind of like snowshoe feet. That's true. It's true. That's it's probably that's and maybe that's why environment, so. one of them was trying to climb up a tree to get away or to spot where he was because they couldn't find him in the snow. Yeah. And maybe the Yeti bit that dude's hand and then put the chunk of flesh in his mouth. Ew. <laughs> he Yeti, just like a freak. There we go. He gives oh, it to him like mouth to mouth style. He's like, Ew. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, now they'll think you're a sicko. He just places it right in his dead flesh. mouth and then like puts his finger on his lips. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love the Yeti one though. Cause like they're the blunt force trauma outs like they were hit by like a car level mm -hmm. of energy and it's like yeah internal damage to that degree yeah i imagine getting hit by a giant yeti arm yeah it's got true a lot of force i mean it's true out there there are two options for something with that amount of force like military something or a uh -huh. freaking yeti you know <laughs> yeti. no, You've got, yeah, no car is gonna be fighter. driving in the snow like that yeah yeah they definitely didn't get hit by a car <laughs> so Ooh, I love the Yeti that's another fun theory and our last theory I saved the most plausible for last but it's also the least exciting wait 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 Ooh. I have to say something on this last one or else it will bother me when I'm going to sleep tonight yes Um. so it also could be possible that the Yeti is total BS and that the KJB mm -hmm. just planted that to give like <laughs> A po plausible deniability like some explanation and then the yeah. satire people kind of latched onto it and made it their own but it could have been possible that it was planted oh so they like made the fake newspaper thing. yeah like they the government put it out hoping that people would bite onto it like some people would think it was a joke but eventually it would gain traction i think that might have been exactly what happened yeah i mean yeah. they had full control of the narrative exactly you know? it's classified they only let anybody know what they wanted them to know. Yeah. Hmm. I like the way your brain's turning. Thanks. It's exhausting. <laughs> it's never done this before. I'm so tired. It's so hard. To <laughs> I know. That's what's so crazy about the stories. It's like, oh my gosh, this, 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 this. But what about this? Yeah. Oh, anyway, the last theory is the slab avalanche theory. Okay. So, yeah. Sadly, the realistic theories are usually the most boring, but. <laughs> um, so this theory says that the group fled the tent because of a slab avalanche and then they ended up succumbing to the harsh conditions so a yeah. slab avalanche is where the compacted block of snow slides down a slope while the underlying weaker snow gives way so it's not like a big tumble of snow that you see in the movies it's like a slab just the top layer down. peels off giant piece of ice just goes running pretty much yep and so there were a combination of factors that give this theory of credibility such as mountain winds and the weakening of mountain snow during the pitching of a tent can lead to a catastrophic 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 avalanche mm -hmm. um so the thinking goes that once the avalanche hit and they realized it was coming the group slashed their way out of the tent in a panic while... you can like hear it exactly because like the so ground under, under them rush. would be moving right like nothing's yeah. coming at them. They, they could hear it and feel it. Like everything is moving that they're standing on, basically. Right? And well that's the thing that that's the thing that I I 
leads me to kind of doubt this series a little bit is that their tent was still pitched in the ground. Uh So I don't think the avalanche went over there, like over them. They just, but they might have heard it nearby. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, they splashed their way out. When they ran, some of them might have ran into it, and it could explain the impact of the the impact mm-hmm. severely injuring the ones who seemed like they got hit by a car in the mm-hmm. ravine. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the ones who escaped with mild cuts and abrasions helped the others flee to what they assumed was the danger zone for a full scale avalanche, only for the group to perish from the intense cold or their injuries. And I looked it up because I was thinking to myself, like, okay, well, if they ran away, the avalanche passed, why didn't they just go back to their tent Um, in extreme cold? So it was like negative 20 degrees expected around this time. Death can occur within an hour when people aren't properly clothed and covered, which they were not. Yeah, not one of them. That's so So crazy. It would make sense that if they ran out, they were exposed for a while. They couldn't make their way back because they would die too soon. Um, and so alternately, um, maybe all night nine hikers escaped the crushed tent without serious injuries, which mm-hmm. would explain why there were no tracks suggesting people had been assisted or dragged because all the tracks had been walked like they were walking away. Yeah. So nobody was injured before that. Um, I wonder if, however, sorry, I wonder what? if they were like walking tracks or running tracks. I wonder if they were See, able that's to the thing I found. Too one article that said that they were walking like it didn't look like they were in a rush but Weird. a lot of people also say that well since they splashed their way out the feet print had to be running away because yeah, they were they, in a hurry they would have especially so in a blizzard on that. if you're in a blizzard and you have to leave your tent by cutting your way out i really don't <sighs> think that you're going to be walking yeah it would it doesn't make sense yeah yeah like they well, literally had to leave their shoes and clothes their food was sitting on the floor Think of the food. Exactly, that poor food. So after they all nine fled, they kind of got separated. And that's where the two Yuris died by the tree. Mm-hmm. The three froze trying to get back to the tent. And the other four died by the ravine. And somewhere along the way, they got severely injured. And they say that the facial damage could have been from the result of animal scavengers and just decomposition. Yeah, yeah that's possible. Yeah, I thought about that too, but I prefer the Yeti eating it. Yeah, I was gonna say some some people are skeptical about it, the finer details of it, because like I said, how come the tent was still intact if an avalanche came over? How come they weren't totally covered in the snow? Like they were able to find their bodies, they weren't buried. Yeah, and like things like that. So to this day, we don't know 100% what happened, and there's a lot of speculation. But all these little details are so fascinating, especially when you consider the socio-political happenings at that time period. Yeah. So, like, while the avalanche might be the most plausible, I personally think the weapons testing stuff is a lot more compelling because yeah, I just think Russian spy, that whole thing is so interesting because yeah. you know there's so much more to it than we have any idea. And, of course, they'd be doing exactly, sketchy stuff yeah. on native land. Exactly. So... I don't. I don't really. That's that's all I have. That's the theory I believe in the most. What do, What do you guys? I think? don't know if I buy the avalanche one because. So the first two people who died by the tree, they were burned, right? And somebody took mm-hmm. their clothes. Yes. So what? Yeah. What would explain that in the avalanche theory? Like, 
They they all ran away for the tent because there's an avalanche. Got to a tree, lit a fire together. Knew they would die. Knew they, they would die. Two of them died, mm-hmm. and also got burned somehow. And so only a couple of them took a few pieces of clothing from them, and then they all just left again. Yeah, see, and that's what I'm confused about too, because you can say like the groups got separated. So the two Yuris started the fire, died, and then the others. But like, at what point did the others find them, take their clothes, then go off? Yeah. yeah. Like at that point, why didn't they go back to their tent? Yeah. I mean, that's something I didn't think about. It could have been that they all got separated pretty quickly and then slowly found each other. Like it could have been that the group found the two dead Yuris, and they were already burned up or whatever. And then they're, and then only one of them or two of them had the, the courage to take the clothes and the other ones could have just been like, ah, oh, that's disrespectful. It's in bad taste. I don't like, these are our dead friends. I don't want to take their clothes. Mm-hmm. But maybe the Yuri's yeah. with the Yuri's, maybe one, the one that was in the tree, like fell on the fire and then the other one like dragged him out mm-hmm. and that's how they got burned. Yeah. That could, be. that could yeah that would that could be it because his like his foot was burned you feel like you'd like step yeah, one in of them to, had, like, pull someone out yeah one of them had half his hair burned off and the other one had his foot and shin yeah, I, yeah. that actually yeah, makes so a like, lot of sense Heather. that dude fell in like his head mm-hmm. and then he had to step in the fire him. to pull him out yeah because they, they they both, both had died anyway didn't they both have damage of their hands too like frostbite and burns one of them had blackened fingers, and yeah, they both died of hypothermia, so I'm assuming they both had frostbite. Yeah. Yeah, so it could have been... Oh, yeah. That's that's a good idea. So, maybe mm-hmm. somebody fell in the fire, and the other year he pulled them out. And they both but I still don't know why that death. one dude bit his, bit his own hand. That one, I got, I got nothing. See, that's exactly... You start theorizing, nothing. you're like, hey, but that doesn't explain everything. Yeah. Like, just... I can't put it all together. Honestly, no idea. that part didn't bother me at all, even from the start, because I was like, okay, if somebody's freezing to death, their body is doing anything and everything it can. So if, like, he accidentally burned himself or he noticed his fingers are starting to turn black, who knows what your mind could do. It was like, yeah. maybe bite maybe it off to trying stop, to stop it spreading. Like, who knows what... Mm-hmm. He could have convinced himself. Like maybe he was even trying to see if he could feel his fingers. So he bothered that he didn't realize how hard he was biting because he didn't have feeling oh, anymore. Oh, that's way better than what mm. I was saying. That's way more realistic. <laughs> You're just interesting. Fun, these are these are interesting. Everything's interesting. Oh, but also, I keep thinking if they had time to start a fire, why didn't they walk back to their tent? Because they weren't too far from it. Yeah. Imagine how hard it would have been to start a fire in the middle of a blizzard with nothing. Yeah, but they well, did the it. Thing is they didn't have they didn't have their supplies, so they left it at the tent. So how did they start a fire? And then they left. It must have been on their bodies. And like yeah, they it's, left the it's fire. possible that they left that fire. Like it, it was possible all of them were at that fire instead of just the two Yuris. Yeah. Well, exactly. Like, who knows? And <laughs> I don't know like, the time. Who knows? The blunt force trauma on all of those people. Yeah. And it's just like and only like one had a fractured skull. One had a crushed skull. Some of them were missing eyes. Two of them had super bad internal injuries. Yeah. Two of them had just light abrasions. Two of them were burned. And then <laughs> Dyatlov and Zena were just walking back to the tent, just bruised, then. and that was it. They didn't have that many injuries. Yeah. So it's like, why were they in all such different states of 
be like i guess the animals eating the eyeballs and the lips and stuff um like i could see birds doing that because birds eyeballs. eat eyes and tongues and stuff all the time but mm -hmm. i would have figured that they would like tear off their ears before they actually are able to tear off a tongue yeah you know what i mean it's probably also, like how come only only one person why not more yeah, yeah. why not that whole group it might have been like less frozen or something the tongue maybe yeah, it could be could be but like, what bird is going to be there in the middle of winter? What bug is going to be there in the middle of winter? <laughs> Only well, a yeti. True. Only a, a yeti. But also, yeti. I, I, maybe I'm just More dumb like and box, I don't get how. I guess. Yeah, it's true. Like, a <laughs> frozen thing. I feel like freezing something preserves it, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So when they say, like, oh, the missing tongue and eyes could have been decomp, decomp how it was frozen. Yeah. Yeah, there's no way it would have been decomposition. No, yeah, not unless, that. No. <laughs> unless they were lumping like nature decomposition where like ants will break something down. You know, mm -hmm. like they'll just rip all the flesh off and they're like, ah, well, it's but just again, a skeleton now, decomposition. Middle of winter, how? Exactly, how? Yeah. In a ravine where they were so buried that they couldn't touch them until May. Like, yeah. like yeah. maybe they something even, got they to didn't them. Find them. Maybe something they got didn't find to them, them until first. Like, exactly. You know, like as it was starting to thaw out, something was just barely nibbling on it. Yeah. And they were still pretty preserved. But again, no tracks. Anything like that. There were no other scratches. Yeah. No, Weird. it's crazy. So I don't know. What What do you guys, what do you guys believe? I think this is or is there something, is there one thing? Oh, I think... The government one is pretty likely. Yeah. Just because, yeah. like, they could completely control the narrative. So, all these things that don't make sense might not even have happened. Yep. That's, yeah, I 100% we don't that even know. Like, That's a good point. What if the everything was falsified? Like, what if their bodies were found and they did have bullet holes in them? Exactly. Yeah. Which would, we don't make know. Sense. Like, where are their bodies? Yeah. Did they have funerals? Yeah. I don't actually because they were know. so hush hush about it. Like I said, this was totally classified. Exactly. Classified, yeah. Like their what loved else? ones were obviously freaking out. They said they finally got the police. They finally convinced the police to go looking for them a week or something after they didn't show up. Yeah. So, yeah. So the the twelfth was when the twelfth is when they were supposed to be back, and they didn't go find the campsite until the twenty sixth. So two weeks. So like, what were the family? Did they? Did the family get to bury bodies? Or was the government like, yeah, um, sorry, we got to do it for, we got to keep these bodies for testing, you know, where that was it empty Maybe. caskets that they were burying. Well, they did also show like signs of radiation. So at that point it wouldn't even be safe. True. Like to have a funeral with yeah. their bodies, you know, they could have just straight up. Yeah, said, I don't know. The government could have just been like, oh, there's radiation. You guys can't have their bodies back. Yep. That's true too. I mean, so I know. Crazy. I know they were they they were buried. They did have a funeral. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Like if the like families were in the charge, bodies were, or, yeah, I don't know. Like was the open casket? I don't know how it could be. Yeah, <laughs> like someone got their head caved in. Someone was missing lips, her lips and her tongue. Yeah, yeah, and they were burned. Like they're. They had their, their hair burned off of their head. and No eyebrows, probably. Oh, yeah, eyebrows. Eyebrows is so weird. 
Yeah, the missing eyebrows. I forgot about that. Oh, yeah. Man. No, it's all just so weird. Like, I think one thing that could have pulled it all off would have been like government testing, just because yeah. they could yeah. control everything. And then also, I got to throw bone to Yeti. Yeah, of course. Yeti. <laughs> of course. Of course. It is a pretty fun theory. I was just like that the blunt force trauma. Like they're so strong, like great apes. You know, there's and they could definitely cause that. For me. I'm also leaning towards the government, like maybe aliens, but the way I'm seeing it mm-hmm. is there's so many crazy, bizarre things that happened with nothing connecting them. So either yeah. A, our information is wrong and we've been lied to, and who would yeah. do that? The government who had the access. Like Heather said, they control the narrative. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or B, the reason we can't explain it is because like an alien did it. And we don't understand what was really happening because we're trying to figure out where are the tracks in the snow? Are these burns from the fire, even though they weren't next to a fire? Like stuff like that. When yeah. in reality, it could have just been alien crap. Beam from the sky, which, yeah, they wouldn't need to make feet print if they're not even on the ground. Yeah, they tried to take yeah. pictures of those beams too. That So I, I'm yep. leaning <laughs> towards the government. I think it, I think this was... A sad case of wrong place, wrong time. I don't think Mm -hmm. it was like a a mission to buy plutonium. And then I (laughs) I don't think so either. I think they were like executed and then covered up. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, like you were saying, the older guy, wonder how he fits. Maybe he really was just an innocent bystander. Maybe. I mean, he did die too. And it it sounds like he wasn't even the last to die because he died with. The young girl, they both had their eyes ripped out, or was it just her that had her eyes ripped out? Both of them had their eyes out, but only she had the missing tongue. Yeah, and the lip. Yeah. So I thought. Yep. Ooh. I know it's crazy. So I. So that was that was a lot, but there's so much to it. I, I like this. I love just chewing the fat, coming up with stuff. Mm-hmm. I think the last two, uh, Igor and Zena, the coolest two, mm-hmm. who just yep. who just froze to death. I like to think that they were the last ones alive. Yeah. Like oh. maybe there was something going on with the group. Like maybe one of them did go crazy and like they started to kill each other. Who knows? Like some people died in the ravine. Igor and Warrior Princess decide that they're going to work their <laughs> way back to the tent <laughs> after everything had settled. It like it was just them two and they're like we have to get Long back to survivors. the tent. We've got to get back. Yeah. Yeah. They tried. Oh, they die in the process. That's, that's yeah. That's a good theory. Yeah. If yeah. any of you who are listening have any theories that are different or extra, like findings or things you know, send them in or share them because this I'll is. Put, I think about this regularly. Yeah, I'll put and I'd up love a to poll hear any other ideas. Oh yeah, on, the poll is on, a good idea. So you guys can like fill like a Q and A. Yeah. Box. You, you, you want to you want to send us a DM on Instagram or anything? Just. Um, mm-hmm. Just do like it. <laughs> any any theory that you have of this? Because everyone's got to, their wheels have got to be spinning like ours are. Oh, yeah. Where we're just That's like, oh, yeah. oh, what about this or this? If, I can't even, stop thinking about it. Yeah, even something small where I was like, maybe the dude fell in the fire and the other dude had to save him. Like something tiny like that. Exactly. I don't want to know. Even if you're <laughs> afraid it's a little half-baked. Yeah. You know, send, yeah. send it in. It'll be. Uh, <laughs> Most of what we say is half-baked. <laughs> it'll be interesting yeah. to see what other people's beliefs are on this one. Yeah. Even just talking with you two, 
there's so many more ideas I have now because of what you've said. So oh, other people want to share. I know it's just going to grow from there. Yeah. So yeah, I've, do. I've listened to this story like multiple times before, but I feel like tonight I've learned the most about it. Oh, hundred percent. Just being able to and talk it through. I know this is a longer episode, but there's just so much to go it's over. Worth it. <laughs> there's so many crazy things. So yeah, I know you're all probably like, "Okay, wrap it up now." No, but this, last plug, please. please this share. was great. I felt like every theory there was so much potential in every theory mm-hmm. that there's plenty of meat to chew on. It wasn't just like exactly. It, it, it wasn't just like, "Oh, is Nessie a alien?" Maybe. You know, it's like, <laughs> it's actually stuff and it's fascinating. It is, and especially, yeah. I don't, I'm going to get killed for this. Goodbye, everybody. But I don't, you know, I don't, controversial opinion. I don't trust Russia. <gasps> so, like, so, like, there's a reason they're the what bad they guys. Doing? Yeah. Spy movie you ever watch. Yeah. But in the 50s, like, for sure, something had to have been happening just beyond. Oh, mm-hmm. they had an accident. These guys were professionals. They couldn't just have an accident. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I, I guess they could have, but nine of them? Now, this happened in yeah. 58, right? 59. 59. Yeah. Nine. Okay. I wonder how much radiation was actually known at the time. If it was still mm. kind of a new discovery, but like the public just saw it as like a scary thing that nobody really understood. Like, how easy yeah. would have been, like Heather said, that they're just like, oh, there's radiation. Don't go to that area. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. I don't know what what time radiation was discovered and embraced by the public and all that stuff. But Yeah. Well, it was after World War II. It just... It, With the bombings, so... I think, I think the government covered something something up. Seems to be the yeah, only option. They've done it before, and they will always do it. So mm-hmm. we hate. Them. It was during the Cold War, so you know yeah. so much behind the scenes was going on that we really? can't totally rule out government involvement. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, that's Ooh. the Dyatlov Pass incident. Thanks, Bailey. It's a doozy. Yes. <laughs> it is a doozy. This one was great. I loved this one. And it was amazing. We're gonna be thinking about it. Yeah, <laughs> thinking about it for the next five days no this i really is, i really am i'm gonna be this is our roman empire now literally <laughs> and i think about i do i think about this pretty often too it's like it's, oh. i've never heard about this That's heather weird. you had heard about this before tonight yeah i've i've listened to like a few podcasts and like seen videos on it and stuff yeah i've never just throughout my years believe it or not i came yeah, into this as a blank slate Whoa! You? Uh-uh. No, it's true. <laughs> I know Never it's, it's one of those that you see someone put out a video about it, and no matter how many times you've heard it, you're like, "I've got to listen to that because it's so yeah. fascinating." And you always learn something new. I feel like. Yep. Anyway, thanks for listening to this extra long episode of Spookish today. <laughs> um, you can further support our podcast by leaving us a review or rating. Follow us on Instagram at Spookish Podcast for pictures of today's episode. If you have any spookish experiences or specifically today theories about this, please share them with us by sending it to spookishpodcast at gmail.com or DM us on Instagram or respond to the poll Heather's going to put out. Yeah. And we might share them in a future episode. Again, all sources will be in our show notes if you are interested in researching today's topic further. And until next time, stay safe. <laughs>